Welcome to the GE Aviation Podcast. I'm Matt Benvy. I'm a media relations flack for GE. Joining me today are two of our most distinguished guests that we could ever have in the program, Mr. Dan McCormick, who's the general manager of GE, GE's Advanced Combat Engine Programs, and Mike Eisenminger, who's the new program director for the just awarded Adaptive Engine Transition Program. Congrats, Mike. Thank you. And welcome to the podcast, gentlemen. Thank you. So today we're going to talk about adaptive cycles, which is really the next generation step change in propulsion capability for the U.S. military forces. We're going to talk about what is an adaptive cycle engine, why is it so important, and what's the future look like for the technology. But in order to look forward, we must always first look back and appreciate our history. And that's why we're so lucky to have Dan with us today. Dan was the president of GE's F-136 engine program for the Joint Strike Fighter, dating all the way back to 2005. Dan, could you explain to our audience what the difference is between a fixed cycle engine, like an F-110 or an F-136, compared to this adaptive cycle design? Certainly. As we look back at overall propulsion technology for large combat aircraft, uh, if you think about the 1970s and beyond, they were, we developed a two-stream uh, engine, which the F-110 is certainly an, an early example of that, that came out in the 70s and 80s, uh, and that family of engines. Uh, and then as we look to the F-136 for the Joint Strike Fighter, the F-35 engine uh, after that, both of those were two-stream uh, propulsion systems. Uh, and that was, the, I'll say, the suite of technologies that were uh, uh, available there. The downside of a two-stream fixed-cycle engine is it's designed for one point in the flight envelope, probably the, the most difficult point, which typically for a large combat aircraft is that combat point, uh, and you pay a penalty in things like fuel efficiency when you're operating in, uh, in other areas of the flight envelope. The, the beauty of the suite of technologies for adaptive cycle engines, it allows us both to design the engine for high combat capability like we did with previous fighter engines, but it also allows us to adapt the engine, uh, therefore the name, if you will, uh, on how we make the engine much more fuel efficient when you're in cruise mode, for example. Uh, so we can provide the warfighter not only significantly better combat capability, but also much more improved range and those types of things that are very critical in uh, today's mission execution. Okay, so looking back, we were awarded, GE Aviation was awarded a contract in 2007 called the ADVENT program. Could you tell us, you know, why the Air Force awarded that program? What was the goal of the program? Maybe some of the things that we accomplished and learned out of that program? Yeah, absolutely. The ADVENT program was the first S&T launch of the adaptive cycle engines uh, that we were awarded in 2007. And it was really a proof of concept, if you will, a typical science and technology type program to validate whether this adaptive cycle architecture, along with the suite of technologies that go with it, things like high OPER compressors, uh, advanced turbine cooling, uh, implementation of things like ceramic matrix composites. Many of those technologies having come from some of our newer commercial derivatives that uh, many folks are familiar with. Uh, basically, the ADVENT program was to put those technologies together and validate whether, in fact, the engine could provide both the combat capability and the fuel efficiency all in one engine architecture. 
As we talked earlier, the combat capability piece of it is relatively straightforward and very aligned with the way we've designed large combat engines before. The fuel efficiency was the big new step change, and one of the key goals of the Advent program was to provide a 25% fuel efficiency benefit over a legacy engine architecture uh, capability. Uh, and as part of the ADVENT program, we ran several major tests, the big, two biggest being a core engine test, uh, followed then by a full-up engine test that in fact did validate that we could both provide the combat capability as well as the fuel efficiency that the Air Force was, uh, was targeting. Okay. And so I guess it's important to note that on the ADVENT program, we are the only company that has ran an adaptive cycle turbofan engine. So it was a, was a big kudo for us. Absolutely, and I think like Dan mentioned, CMCs was a big piece of that. Avid manufacturing was a big piece in terms of helping us get to test quicker for certain components or um, test facility operations. To get, are there any examples, or can you talk maybe a, bit, a little bit more about you know where are we using CMCs in the program? Uh, where where did we use them for Advent, and maybe looking forward to AETD? Um, are we are we expanding usage on that? Now the AETD program was awarded in 2012. And that program is actually sized for an application, whereas ADVENT was not. So maybe you could tell me a little bit about the AET design and some of the differentiating technologies and maybe even some of the challenges of designing a specific engine for an application that already exists. As the Air Force saw the uh, success of the ADVENT program, uh, they started to move their vision to trying to take that te technology actually to a product design that could then in fact be fielded. Uh, and the ADVENT program itself was extremely successful in meeting the goals of the science and technology uh, program. So AETD, as you said, uh, Matt, was launched in 2012, and it was, the objective of it was to take the suite of technologies that were validated in the ADVENT program and apply them to an engine architecture and size and integration specific to an airplane, in this case the F-35 Joint Strike uh, Fighter. The challenges to that were, with the Advent engine, we had no constraints relative to what the engine could weigh, how long it uh, had to survive from a durability perspective. Um, so very much purely a science and technology demonstrator, whereas we moved to AETD, one of the biggest challenges was how do we package all of this technology in a fixed engine envelope that was already established because the aircraft obviously already exists in all of the interfaces and all our uh, are defined. So we spent a very significant portion of the front end of the AETD program simply figuring out what's the most efficient and optimum way of uh, organizing the technologies and the architecture of the engines to, to um, yield the biggest benefit, uh, both again in combat capability and uh, fuel efficiency. You mentioned ceramic matrix composites. We did in fact expand the use of, of CMCs as we moved to AETD. The ADVENT program had CMCs in the combustion uh, and high-pressure turbine system with the nozzles and the shrouds and the combustor liners. In AETD, and in this, as uh, we'll talk later, AETP, we've expanded the use of CMCs into the low-pressure turbine rotating airfoils for Stage 2, uh, one of the first ventures, if you will, for the business into using CMCs in rotating airfoils. Uh, so we're excited about that. That provides a lot of uh, extra capability for us. And, and uh, both the reduction in cooling air that's required for some of those components and the, the uh, temperatures that we can run the engine to to achieve the performance metrics. And what's unique about 
at least from my perspective, on our adaptive cycle programs, it was really an inverse of the stories that we've heard for 30, 40 years on how technology is transferred from military to commercial. So the best example I can think of is you think about the F-101 fighter engine. I mean, if that's that core formed the basis of the CFM-56, um, which is arguably the most successful franchise in commercial engine history. What we're seeing today, it sounds like, whether it's CMCs and things of that nature, maybe we can talk a little about compressors in a moment, but it seems like today we're taking commercial technologies and applying them to the military at very low risk. Uh, that is very, very true. I think if you look back over the legacy of most of our commercial product lines, they all have a beginning in a military application. To your point, the F-101 B-1 bomber engine was kind of the grandfather of that family of military engines that uh, powered bombers, fighters, and reconnaissance aircraft, but to your point, became the cornerstone of the CFM-56-2 initially uh, that went into service for both commercial use for the airline as well as the Air Force on the, the uh, tanker program. Uh, so there's a lot of history there of military applications then being transitioned to commercial in uh, over the last multiple decades. We are also seeing now that stream of technology moving in the opposite direction where we're spending a significant amount of company funds in developing some of these new technologies in compressors and turbines uh, for our new commercial applications in various product uh, line sizes. And we are doing everything we can to draw on that technology base to bring those back into the military uh, add them to the adaptive cycle engine architecture, which is unique to the military because of the missions that we have to fly, but being able to, to apply uh, new compressor design capabilities, new ceramic matrix composite uh, learnings, for example, uh, into the military programs, which then we are able to leverage both the technology aspect of what the, the folks on the commercial side of the business are doing, as well as the infrastructure, because there's a lot of dollars being invested by the company for manufacturing capability, not just technology maturation in the commercial world. So that's a huge benefit to us uh, in the military world these days. Right. So the big advantage that we get with utilizing the commercial technology is basically it's technology maturation and risk reduction, which plays well with our customer, right? And so we're able to utilize, if you look at the AETD design, which will transition into the AETP program, we're using elements off of our LEAP engines, our Passport engines, and our GE9X engines. So it's, it, when you put the whole package together, it becomes, you become a very formidable techno technology um, that you get to put into our advanced uh, combat engine. You mentioned the customer, and that's a nice transition into some news that happened on June 30th. GE was awarded a $1 billion AETP uh, contract that I think takes us through the 2021 time frame. Right. Um, so that, that, got, that got a lot of interest in the media. Thank you. Um, that, that got a lot of interest in the media. So tell us what's in that program. Why, it's, it's quite a validation from the Air Force customer. After nine years of work, you know, you get to continue that for the foreseeable future, at least the next five years or so. So it's interesting if you start to look at the whole, we talked a little bit about the lineage, right? So GE was involved in the Advent program and the ATD and now the ATP were the only company that had that spans those three programs. In AETP, what we're going to do is to build upon the preliminary design in the ATD program and then take that to a detailed design. 
And then from that, we'll build three flight weight engines that will basically run through the mechanical performance, uh, you know, engine performance and durability. And so, and one of the things that we'll start to incorporate is a lot of the things that are required to field an engine, a lot of the reliability, maintainability and safety things that you worry about as you start to go into a production environment. Mm -hmm. So I read, think I read that there are a couple contract options in the AETP program that are quite interesting that also garnered some nice interest in an aviation league story. Could you tell us what those contract options are? Right. So you have so you have the basic program where you're going to go build go build the engines and then there's an option to do an installed ground run in an F-35, so that's that's one option that, that's uh, available. And then as the Air Force looks to their next generation air dominance, um, there's an option to basically um, put together an engine program um, in support of that. And then lastly, there's a flight demo program that we have um, where we potentially can take this engine in an F-35 and go do um, a limited flight demo. So. It's a pretty exciting time as you start to look at the transition of this technology and, and being able to actually kind of get to the point where you're making three, you know, engines and actually testing the engines. Absolutely. Well, gentlemen, that was a fantastic discussion. I want to appreciate you. I appreciate you for taking the time to be with us today. I hope our listeners enjoyed it, and we hope that you uh, like our podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, and everywhere else you could listen. Thank you all for joining us. Until next time. This is the GE Aviation Podcast, signing off.